Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, this is your host, Dr. Jim McKenzie with the Master Key. On this Wednesday afternoon, today is the day set aside to communicate, to dialogue in the areas of relationships. Relationships is the premium of life. Your relationships is probably that which is challenged more than anything. For the simple reason that God made man to relate, to communicate. God created man to harmonize, to walk in agreement. When man began to walk in agreement, there's absolutely no limitation with man. Because there's some dynamics that need to take place in order for agreement to take place. Agreement with a man, any man, man on man, woman on woman, husband wife. The Bible says if any two agree on earth, it didn't say any husband and wife. It didn't say any uh, father and son, uh, father and daughter of mother and son, mother, daughter, any two. There's some dynamics, there's some things have to take place in order for agreement to take place. Now, listen to what the Bible says. It says, any two agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall, not might, shall be done for them of the Father, which is in heaven. So if that word be true, Matthew 18, and we know it's true, then we should be seeing a greater manifestation in the earth from the Father in heaven. If that scripture be true, and if we really know how and submitting to the law that governs agreement, then there should be extraordinary things. There should be supernatural things that are taking place because God in heaven will move in the earth realm. That's supernatural by itself. But everything that God does is supernatural. Why? Because the spiritual is invading the natural. That's what calls it supernatural. The natural is yielding and submitting and surrendering to the God who created the natural. Now the natural becomes supernatural, or the natural is up under the influence of the supernatural. But notice it says, "Then to agree on earth, on earth, as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of the Father, which is in heaven." Now, where's the Father in heaven? Where's the agreement and the agreement partners on earth? Man on earth, God in heaven. Any two on earth come into agreement on earth as touching anything it shall ask, it shall be 
done for them of the Father, of the Father which is in heaven. Now, this is addressed to the married couples. How long have you been married? A year, two, five, and fifteen, twenty, twenty-five. Well, Beth and I will be celebrating 26 tomorrow. Now, it didn't say how long that any two agree on earth. If any two agree on earth. So if there is no agreement, then there is not a move of God. So it is our ability to harmonize, so agreement means, the ability to harmonize, the ability to symphonize on earth releases supernatural intervention in the earth realm. Let's let's make it even more practical. Just say there is satanic manipulation with your children. Can a husband and wife come in agreement according to the word of God that God will move supernatural in that child's life because God found two men, two people, rather, harmonizing with the word, with him, to release him to move on that child's behalf? that child's salvation, that child's deliverance. If any two agree on earth that such anything they should ask, not complain about, not murmur about, it said it shall. It, is, it did not say it might be done for them. It said it shall be done for them of the Father which is in heaven. So according to the scripture, agreement releases heaven into any situation, any situation. And such anything, anything, anything they shall ask. Anything, not some things, anything. What is going on that you don't like, that is contrary to the will of God, the purpose of God for you, for your spouse, for your children, your destiny, your purpose? Agreement. Agreement. Well, what if there's not a lot of agreement, much agreement that is taking place in a marriage, in a family, in a church, and look at the look at the chaos and the confusion uh, at the, in the White House. I mean, it's it's just been a mess for years. <clears throat> I know the last four years it's been just a mess because of a lack of agreement, because of uh, a political bias. We called up in our political party and not caught up in what's the best for the country. (laughs) 
So say there's no agreement. Do you think that we have to be experiencing what we're experiencing in this country economically and really globally? Now, do you think there is any economic challenges in heaven? Absolutely not. Then if there is some things that is happening in our nation and the nation of the world that is not happening in heaven, is it possible because there is a lack of agreement in the White House, the governor's mansion, the mayor's office? So is it possible that we're not we don't see the supernatural movement of God because men is not harmonizing together? Then we have to take it a little further than that because it's really not their fault. Because the Bible says that the church is the light of the world. What the scripture says. The salt of the earth, the church. So therefore, has the light begin to dim because of a lack of agreement, because there's not an apostle can agree with another apostle or prophet, agree with another prophet, a pastor agree with another pastor, an evangelist agree with another evangelist, a teacher agree with another teacher. If that's one of the reasons why we don't see a great supernatural revival breaking out in different areas of our country because it's very difficult for God to find someone to come in agreement that the heavens can be released in the earth realm, the supernatural can be released in the earth realm. If any two, not any three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, if any two agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of the Father, which is in heaven. How many of us pray for revival? How many of us pray for a move of God? I don't think there's probably not a church in South Florida or people I'm really sure with that have not prayed for revival or prayed for a move of God, prayed for the salvation of souls. If we pray for these things and things not happening, is it possible that we're praying with a group of people that's really, really not in agreement? This agreement thing must be very important and must be very powerful. Because the scripture cannot lie. If any two agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of the Father, which is in heaven. Now, do Satan know this scripture? Absolutely. Satan knows the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and he can out-preach and teach every preacher, every apostle, every prophet, every pastor, every evangelist, every teacher put together. He's a supernatural being. You don't need to read a Bible. That's supernatural memory. And he know the Hebrew and Greek. <laughs> you know Chaldeans. He, he know it all. So he understands 
the power of agreement. So therefore, he don't mind if we come together in prayer meeting as long as we're really not in agreement. He don't care if a husband and wife pray together as long as they're not in agreement. He don't give a family come together as long as they're not in agreement. Because he knows if if they come together in prayer and not in agreement, then they're wasting their time. And God in heaven cannot, shall not, and will not do absolutely nothing. He can't because they're not in agreement. And it's one thing for you to pray by yourself. You can accomplish some things by yourself. But the speed, the intensity, the increase, the momentum, the momentum increases when you got one individual connecting with another individual, the dynamics change. The momentum increases exponentially. That's why the enemy fights agreement. What are some of the enemies against agreement? Envy. Strife. Jealousy. These are enemies of agreement. The enemy's ultimate goal is to get you to be jealous. Selfish, that's selfish. Envious, selfish. Covetous, selfish. He manipulates, and, 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 and look at the, 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 <laughs> the power of it, because usually... If a person say they're in agreement and they're envious and jealous and covetous, they're not going to let you know. They don't want you to think ill of them. So what they will do, they will go ahead and they will allow you to pray right along with them knowing nothing is going to happen because they're really not in agreement with you. This is the deadly stuff, kind of stuff that we have in relationships. In order to walk in agreement, in the praying agreement, the prayer of agreement, it really going to take biblical love. That person really has to love you. That person cannot agree with you if that person don't love you. You said the reason I went to them because I thought they loved me. Then do you know what love is? Biblical love is not biblical love if there's not a, some kind of form of sacrifice. If that person is a taker, is that person a giver? If that person is a taker and you ask a taker to come in agreement with you, you are to set yourself up for a fall. You might as well go ahead and pray by yourself. Because what you just did 
Now, your heart may be pure and innocent. You're thinking that your partner's heart is pure and innocent. And therefore, you're thinking they're in agreement with you. But every time you open up your mouth, what you don't realize and understand, when they open up their mouth, they negate your prayers. Because you all are praying in agreement. So one is praying in faith. The other is praying in doubt and unbelief. So the doubt and unbelief will always outweigh the prayer of faith. It will destroy it because there's no agreement. You brought somebody alongside with you to believe with you for a certain thing. And so what happened? You don't know that they're envious, jealous. You don't know they're covetous. The very thing you're praying for, they want it themselves. Or the thing you pray for, they don't think you should have it. Or they just may be jealous of your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your children, something. You have something they want. But you believe that they love you so they can come in agreement with you. The enemy understands the power of agreement. We live in a world today that wars and battles against the ability to love and the ability to walk in agreement. The Bible says this whole world lies in wickedness. So this whole world lies in wickedness, so therefore the manipulation of this world will always be against, it's always designed to be against the principles of the kingdom of God. The spirit of Antichrist is already in the world, Paul says in, in Thessalonians. Been here, and in this world. So it's in this world, so therefore, this world is designed for you to focus on yourself. This world is designed for you to become great, for everyone to look at you. This world is designed for you to live independently of God. This world is designed for you to say, look what I accomplish outside of God. This is what this world is designed. So all of this is weighing against you. So therefore, if you have never come in agreement with someone as a servant, you could never come in agreement with someone as a leader. Because that's all preparation. Service is how you elevate it. It's how you elevate it. And how do you serve? What is a servant? When you get a chance, don't you do a study on the word servant uh, 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 from the epistles? You'll find the word servant is the same equivalent word to the word slave. Now, watch this here. I was... Uh, coming home from uh, service on Sunday morning, uh, Sunday morning service, <laughs> and my youngest daughter, uh, they used to ride their mother, got in the car with me, went to ride home with me. So she asked me a question. She said, 
uh, Daddy, what are uh, name two things you see? Uh, no, she said name two things. She said, what are some of the things you think I need to work on? And one of the things I'm still about serving out of a pure heart. Now, she serves, but she needs to understand what the spirit of a servant is. See, I said now, if you look at serving from the perspective of the Bible, that a servant is a slave. If somebody was a slave, that means somebody owns you. So I said, now look at it. Now, if somebody owns you, they bought you, then you know and understand that you're there for one reason and one reason only, for, for the benefit of the one that bought you. I said, so if your master wake up 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and listen, I think I, uh, I want some breakfast. Go fix me some breakfast. You wouldn't complain. You wouldn't mumble because you know that you was purchased for the satisfaction of your master. You know you're not there for you. So what's going to happen? All your thoughts, your mindset, everything is start being renewed and shifting towards the pleasure of your master because I was bought for this reason. I'm not here for me. I can't say I'm tired. Why? Because this is why I'm here. I'm here to serve. I was purchased to serve. So if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, whatever my master desire, I live to bring pleasure to my master. I'm a slave. A slave understands that they don't have any rights. They have absolutely no rights. They don't claim rights. They don't look for no rights. They wait for the instructions from their master. They don't ask the master, can I go do this? Can I do this? Can I do this right here? Can I, can I watch TV? Can I do this? Can I go here? Can I go there? They no, they're not there for themselves. They will never ask the master, can they do anything for themselves? They're slaves. But they wait for the master to give them privileges. The master chooses what they can do, what they cannot do. If the master says, you know, I'm going to give you Sunday off, so you can serve your God. They don't ask for Sunday. The master make a decision to give them Sunday off. Paul said, I am a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's a bond slave? A bond slave was a free slave. A free slave that refuses to be free. I refuse to be free. I want to continue to submit myself to my master. I don't want to leave. I don't want my freedom. I want to continue to serve you all the days of my life, master. He understood 
that he did not belong to him. And we can see this, the evidence in Paul's life. We never heard him complain, shipwrecked, three days and three nights, beat by his own countrymen, stoned, left dead. He's a slave, a bond slave. He never complained. But if this is what you chose for me, Master, so be it. If this is what brings glory to you for me being stoned, so be it. I've been purchased. What can I say? I can say anything, but what good would it do? How many of us? How many of us have ever been a biblical servant to anyone? I haven't met that many people. I know a lot of people. I haven't met that many people that truly, truly are the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the evidence that you are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ will be your ability to serve whoever the Lord put into your life. You won't complain. You won't mumble. You won't grumble. Know why? Because you know you don't have no rights. You have no rights. I look at my life. Have I ever complained about anything in my relationship with my wife? Absolutely. What do that reveals? I ceased to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. How did I cease? I got my eyes off of my master and put my eyes on my wife. My wife has done a lot of teaching in the areas of uh, women being a helpmate. It's impossible for a woman to be a helpmate if she never, ever served. Served her parents effectively, efficiently, without any rights. You don't see that with children today. The majority of parents are serving to children. And very few parents, I don't really know that many parents, have positioned and created an atmosphere of servanthood in their household where their children serve them. But the parents serve children. And that is why we have so much immaturity in the body of Christ. And the statistics may be higher now, but I know 10, 15 years ago, the church was neck and neck with the world, 50% divorce in the church, 50% in the world. Why do you think that? Because of the immaturity. What brings that immaturity? Lack of service. The man selfish, the woman selfish. The man wants to stand for his rights, the woman wants to stand for her rights. Do you not understand when you and I stand for our rights, what we just did? The very thing that Jesus came to die for to take away, we reestablish it. What is that law? Law. Where there is biblical love, there is no law. Where there is biblical love, there is not even a necessity for law. But the law kicks in with sin. When sin is committed, law kicks in. Or when sin kicks in, then love can overcome the sin. But the Bible did say love covered the most of the sin. But where there is no law, there is no sin. 
So where there is sin, there is law. So therefore, when a person begins to sin, they're saying, uh, now you can execute the law. But where there is biblical love, there's not a law. If everybody in the world would love, then there wouldn't be a necessity for an armed force, for armed force officers, a police force, an army, a military. There wouldn't be a necessity for it because everybody walking in love. And where there's love, there's no law. And where there's love, think about it, there's no sin. Sin does not have dominion. Sin is not active. It's not operative. What is biblical love? So the enemies of this agreement is self. Every sin, you can trace everything back to selfishness, self-centeredness, self-righteousness, self-reliance. But God says, if any two will agree. So think about it, then, if Every person, if a husband and a wife, foundation was love. Now watch this here. I didn't say love for one another. Because I believe that is the primary focus in the midst of the majority of marriages. And that's why it don't work. Because their passion is for one another and not for God. Your passion for one another should be birthed out of your passion for God. What do you mean? I love the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm here to please the Lord. Okay? Then the Lord gives me a wife. Then I should be pleased with who God gives me. Not based on her, because this is a gift from, from God. Because I love him. Because I love him. How many women appreciate the husband? The man that asks you to marry them, you appreciate them, you value them. You want to take what you've been giving your parents and give it to your spouse now. So, therefore, I learned how to advance the cause of my parents by serving them. Now, God has graced me to take my skills has been developing me as a child and now advanced the cause of my husband, which ultimately would advance my cause. It's impossible for a woman, a helpmate, to advance the cause of her husband without her cause being advanced. Why? Because her and her husband has become one. So the elevation of the husband is the elevation of the wife. Are we seeing this? But going back to the servant thing, what has happened in the body of Christ is because of a lack of biblical order in serving, it's going to be difficult for us to experience the power of agreement. Notice what Jesus says in the Word. Me and my Father, we are one. Me and my father, we are what? We are one. I love the father. I live to bring pleasure to the father. The father did not serve Jesus. Jesus served the father. 
Jesus forgot about Jesus. Jesus paid no attention to Jesus. Jesus did not have a hidden agenda. He served the Father. Jesus did not carry himself like he had a right to anything. That's fundamental with a short agreement. Jesus didn't, didn't carry himself, well, Lord, I serve you, you owe me this. I serve you, you owe me that. I did this right here for you, you should give me this here. That is not the mentality of a servant. A servant don't look for no paycheck. A servant don't look for reward. What brings the servant pleasure is the fulfillment of the master. The pleasure of the master. There is an internal satisfaction in a heart, the heart of a servant, a true servant. There's an internal satisfaction when they know their master is pleased. That's, that's their reward. That brings them pleasure. They're so one with their master. They're so in love with their master. And what brings them pleasure when their master is satisfied and pleased? How many have ever been a true servant that you serve some man of God, some woman of God, or your parents? to the point you didn't look for an allowance by doing what you're supposed to do, partaking of of the responsibility in the family. You serve them because you want to bring pleasure to them. Probably none of that are on this broadcast today. And the reason I say that, because of the, if we look at the pattern in our homes, the majority of biblical homes, is, uh, when I say biblical homes, Christian homes, it's not biblical. Jesus lived to bring pleasure to his father. How many of our children live to bring pleasure to us? How many of our children, can I have, can I have, can I have, can I have? Can I have, can I have, can I have, can I have? Can I have, can I have, can I have, can I have? And they grow up like that to be an adult. And so when they get married, they believe they're marrying because this person supposed to give them what they want. Can I have, can I have, can I have, can I have? So if the spouse don't give them what they want, what they're going to do? Take it. Steal it. I'll go connect with somebody else that can give it to them. Because they have never, ever, ever learned to serve anyone. They have never come in agreement with nobody. The only time a person like that agrees with somebody, when somebody is giving them what they want, then they can come in agreement. Because they have never learned to serve somebody for the benefit of somebody else. When they don't have, can't have their way, what to do? They cry. They pout, then they say, you don't love me. Isn't that what you say to God? God don't love me because God hasn't given me what I want? You know why? That's what you said about your parents. My parents don't love me because they didn't give me what I want. 
but then when you get married, you say the same thing about your spouse. You don't love me. Boy, I tell you, you see how deadly this thing is? And that's why we have an issue with God, and we have a superficial relationship with God. We don't to serve him. We don't really love God. It's impossible to love God and to be selfish, self-centered, self-righteous, self-reliant. It's impossible. We quote scriptures, but the scripture we quote has never become a reality to us. Because we never had it about in our life to put in a situation for the scripture to become a reality. And then when when the scripture is not a reality, confront us and let us see that the word of God is not real to us. You never had anybody. To me, the best scripture, and I won't say the best, one of, one of the scriptures that can illustrate a person becoming a servant, then ultimately you can agree with someone, is Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you who what? Present. You present what? Your body. Your body will a living sacrifice. Not a dirt sacrifice. I was meditating on this this morning, and, and, and I know that I know that I know with the Holy Spirit dropped this in my spirit uh, this morning. When it got a little workout in, that's what used with cuts. Give me, so dealing with me if you're not in prayer. He dropped this, this scripture in my spirit. And watch this right here. The Bible says all that is in this world is the what? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Flesh. What is in the flesh? Paul said something like this in Ephesians chapter 2. It talks about the passions of our flesh. The will of our flesh. The passions of our flesh. Passions. Desires of my flesh. Now, look what it says. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Now, let's make it practical. I'm married. Tomorrow will be 26 years. Have I ever presented my body a living sacrifice? at any given time in this marriage. What does it mean practically to present your body a living sacrifice? Well, in my body, in my body, there is desires. In my wife's body, there is desires. Now, in our body, Paul said, well, no good thing. That's where all selfishness manifests itself. Or, or, or cut, uh, I was benefits of that is that is stirred, selfishness is stirred in my flesh, self-centeredness, self-righteousness, self-reliance, self-exaltation, self-protection, self-pity. All of these things is in my flesh. There's certain things, appetites my flesh have. There's certain appetites my wife's flesh have. 
Now, in order for me to walk in agreement with Captain, Captain walk in agreement with me, it's impossible for that to take place if I don't acknowledge the appetites of my flesh and be willing to present them a living sacrifice. It's impossible. It ain't going to happen. When I first came to South Florida, I was willing to do anything it took to serve my man of God. I'm a race of playing sports. Race of watching TV 24-7, basically, in our household. So when I met him, came here, there was no television to be watched. I mean, we had a television. He let me watch, allow me to watch television. And then if I watched sports, he allowed me to watch maybe one game or the case on a Saturday. I didn't question it. There was no great warfare in my mind. You know why? Because I was talking to my a, a nephew of mine um, this week. He'd been... He been uh, text me and did the Facebook thing, which I didn't really know that's who it was because I don't get on Facebook. Every time I get on Facebook, if I get an email, somebody wants to be my friend, and use my even going on there, I have about five, six people who had no idea what to be friend, but I don't get on there. And then uh, uh, I was sharing a principle with him concerning serving he was sharing some things with me about what he's doing at this point, where he's located, and 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 uh, in school, and blah blah, all, all these different things. But I begin to share some principles with him. You will never be able to accomplish everything that you need to accomplish if you're not willing to find somebody that has something that you need and be willing to give your life up for them to accomplish their dream and their desires. I didn't say it like that, but paraphrasing it. If you never experience that, that you're willing to give up everything for the success of somebody else, that's presenting your body a living sacrifice. You're putting your dreams, your visions, your desires, your everything, you willing to put it on the back burner, you willing to allow it to die. You willing to forget about you for the success of somebody else. Have any of y'all ever lived that way? 100% totally forgot about it. And your dream was the fulfillment. And enjoy seeing somebody else's dream come to pass. And you are part of that, making that happen. I experienced that. I experienced that. It's impossible for you to forget about you. And the only way you can do that is by presenting your body a living sacrifice. Every dream that you ever have will come to pass. That's the law of God. That's how it works. But what we have in relationship. But what about me? 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 You're in trouble. You are in big trouble. 
if any of you operate like this in any kind of union, that union is not going anywhere. Absolutely nowhere. Because the me is the enemy. That is what will destroy harmony, unity, and agreement. It's impossible. Impossible. Now notice that Jesus, he lived to please the Father. He lived to please the Father. Who did the who is the Holy Spirit in the earth from designed to please? Jesus. Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here to bring pleasure to Jesus. It is always, it is always the head that is to be served. But the problem in most marriages, the wife don't want to be acknowledged as the one that's serving the head. The wife want to be the head. Look at the conduct. Look at the attitude. I was talking, uh, uh, going out my new members class uh, a few weeks ago. We have a couple in our church been married uh, 52 or 53 years. And uh, he made the statement, do you believe that if a man is not saved, that by the life of his wife she can be saved? I said, of course. The reason he said that because of what happened with him. Now, his wife got saved. He wasn't saved. But she got a prophetic word. I heard another part of it. I didn't know this. I heard uh, uh, this part uh, a couple times ago. She got a prophetic word from a prophet. said, leave him alone. Don't talk to him about Jesus. Don't try to make him come to church. Just do your part and be quiet. She obeyed the word of the prophet. And by her doing the word, her very life brought conviction to him. Her, by her. What happened with the average woman today? They got to have the last say about everything. It's satanic and demonic. How, did, how in the world that ever come about? How did women become like that? They got to have the last word, the last say, the last everything. And, and that thing is so deep-rooted in them. They don't even know they're doing it. I say it all the time. Don't even know it. Got to say something. It's satanic and demonic. And that's a revelation by Jezebel's spirit. And it's a revelation of usurping authority. And you know the sad thing about it? They would never treat their boss that way. That should show you there is no honor, no respect, and no value. In the hand of the demand, everything to do reveals that person's relationship with God because of the office they stand in. The office they stand in. Are you getting this? That's why we've got so many people have issues with their pastor. Because they never was a servant to their parents at home, they are struggling serving their pastor. You see how, you see how the devil set this thing up? And then when there's no respect at home, uh, or there's no 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 servant spirit to develop at home. 
There will not be one that is developed in church. There will not be one that's developed on your job. You're going to fight for your rights. Nobody's going to treat me this way. They have a servant spirit. They have absolutely no servant spirit. They fight for their rights. So, therefore, they don't, they, they don't not since they don't have to serve their parents, they don't have to serve God, uh, they don't have to serve their man of God, serving God by serving their man of God, because you learn how to serve your man of God by serving, uh, serving your parents. You learn how to, I put it this way, you learn how to serve God by serving your parents, and by serving God by serving your parents, you'll know how to serve your man of God by uh, serving God by serving your man of God. Then you serve your boss on your job, or serve God by serving your boss on your job, because you have a spirit of servant. Think about it. When you got a spirit of the servant, that's your nature. It's your nature. You don't have to you don't have to think about, well, this is my spouse, this is my boss, you the third. That's your nature. If you never develop the spirit of a servant, you will always develop the spirit of a taker. Always. You have it. You have it. And we parent is the one that has set helped destroy our children. We the one. We raise our children to give them things without a sense of responsibility. Don't understand. If a, if a child has never been developed, has never developed a sense of responsibility and ownership, they will abuse and misuse every relationship that comes into their life. And know what I've seen? I was sharing this with one of my daughters, my oldest daughter, years ago. I said, Sherry, I said, it's amazing. You like the privileges of this family, but not the responsibilities of this family. You have the privileges. You, you love everything that comes. You love everything that this family presents. We're pretty family-oriented, like to do things together, go to dinner together, like that stuff. But what about the responsibility of being a woman of God, the responsibility of being a PK? It's a responsibility. You can't do what you want to do. Live the way you want to live. Say what you want to say. That's responsibility. I understand. I'm responsible. I'm going to tell you what I think the best thing that needs to happen. I personally believe that every child, every child needs to go to the military where their parents can't get to them. To me, parents can be the greatest enemy of their children's destiny in their children's progress. Because the parents have no discipline in themselves, don't know how to raise a child up, but they go to a place that's going to cause discipline. Teach them some discipline, like the military. Teach them respect, like the military. Yes, sir. No, sir. You think they're going to come to the, the captain or, or, or the sergeant or whoever? You know, I don't, I don't feel like getting up there. Can, can, can I stay in the bed just an uh, extra hour? You think they're coming to an accident? Can you stay in the bed an extra hour? <laughs> that ain't happening. 
But why do our children feel comfortable coming asking us? Do do or you think they're gonna come and say, Can I take the day off? They ain't coming out there. They understand when they get there, they go to boot camp, they go to training, let them know what is expected of them. And then if they do not follow suit, they're disciplined. And you know something? They cannot run home unless they go AWOL. If they get a dishonorable discharge, it's going to be very difficult to ever get a job anywhere in civilian life. You know why? Because the majority of jobs is going to come in agreement with the military. If you if you wasn't if you could not take the military, you we know you ain't gonna be able to take us. If you if you were disrespectful to your commanding officers in the military, we know what we gonna get with you. You see how how, how things work. To I me, mean, the best thing that could ever happen. Responsibility. You're gonna learn that in the military. Discipline, you're going to learn it in the military. Respect, you're going to learn it in the military. And the sad thing about some people, when you go into the military, you learn all those things and do all those things in the military, but when you get out, you cease to do it. What do you call those people? Rebellious. Are you getting this? But the progression in the military is continuing to fund your submission to the authority in the military, your ability to serve, your commanding officers. When they see that, they put in a, a request for your elevation, your promotion. Somebody's going to take notice of you. Say, so won't you, won't you uh, take the test for a sergeant, lieutenant, or whatever the case may be? You've got a great future in the military. You can benefit our nation greatly because of the spirit of servant they see. Who see that in you? Have anybody ever saw that in you said, I see that you really can be a great benefit? Not because of your gifts, not because of your talent. They don't look at it's, it's It's not the gift and talent. It's your spirit, your heart, your mind to serve. And if you have gifts and talent, that makes it even better. And think about it, if you don't understand this right here, you'll never know what to look for somebody else. And that's one of the problems with a lot of us parents, we don't know how to raise our children up because we've never been raised up ourselves. And we think what we, we know and have been, what we are is right because we have never had anybody in our life to provoke us. And even when we read the Bible, we don't even get an adequate pre, uh, uh, appraisal of it. But you read it and understand it from where you located. Undeveloped. Undeveloped. Are you getting this? Are you understanding? The power of agreement. If any two agree, but it can never be an agreement if somebody is willing to present their body a living sacrifice. To present your body a living sacrament, to present your desire, to sacrifice your desires, to sacrifice your will, to sacrifice your passions, to sacrifice that, your inclinations, what, what comes from your body? What comes from your body? Appetite. Hunger. 
thirst, craving for things to satisfy you and to sustain you, to preserve you. But when a person becomes a slave, think about it. Their sustaining is continued upon their master. If the master don't feed them, they don't eat. If the master don't clothe them, they don't they, they're not clothed. They understand I'm not here to buy my own clothes. I'm not here to pay for my own food. I am a slave, a servant. I am here for the benefit of my master. And what my master chooses to feed me, so be it. What my master chooses to clothe me with, so be it. Do I complain because I don't like the clothes I have on if my master gives them to me? Absolutely not, because I understand. I'm satisfied by whatever he gives me because I'm not here for clothes. I'm not here for food. I'm here to serve him. Until that is developed, it is impossible. Impossible for you to be in agreement with anybody. Those fifths has never, ever been developed, the spirit of a servant. A servant understands my responsibility is the advancement of my master. All of us is born again, that is born again, that has joined us on this broadcast today. All of us have given our life to the Lord. Even though we are sons, we're here to serve. Jesus is a son, but he served his father. So therefore, he did not seek his own will, but he sought the will of the father. A servant doesn't live for his will. He lives for the will of his master. And because the majority of us was raised up, children, raising up children, they have no clue, idea what it means. Not their will, but the parents' will. So when you get married, it's not, you will not, you will not live that way. Not my will, but my spouse will. That ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen because this system has come into the church. We brought it into the church. We have brought it into the church. We're born again, but we still live selfishly. Still living according to dictates, cravings, and passions, and wills of our flesh. And we don't understand why we're so frustrated and aggravated. Because your flesh cannot submit to the Spirit of God. It's an enemy. So if I'm fleshly, then my marriage is going to be fleshly. If I'm fleshly, then I'm a race of fleshly children. If I'm fleshly, then I'm going to be fleshly in business and everything else. But the people that's very successful that is not saved, successful economically, they have provided a service to humanity, and they've been rewarded because they provided the service. So many Christians want to become rich. They want to become rich, want money, but don't want to provide a service. You'll never, you get it, you'll never be able to obtain it because you're not providing the service. The greatest, the one that can provide the greatest level of service will be the one, will be the one that will have wealth untold. So they focus not wealth, they focus is service. 
Are you getting this? Well, seeing that my time has come to a conclusion, I pray that you uh, receive something uh, from the Lord today that was a blessing to you and challenge your thinking. It's easy to live as a solitaire. It takes a whole other dimension to live in unity and harmony with someone else. The dynamics change. Responsibility change. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host, Dr. E.J. McKenzie with the Master Key. Until Saturday, looking forward to being with you. Time of prayer, intercession, warfare, and dealing in areas of the supernatural. Let's believe God for signs, wonders, and notable miracles to break out on this Saturday. We love and appreciate you. Let's pray for one another. Keep each other lifted up in prayer. Pray that the Lord would grace us to mature and to grow in Christ in the greater dimension. So until Saturday, God bless you. Let the rest of your day be blessed and prosperous.